Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in to the latest tech news, products, and trends. Today, we've got a great Yo, quick news. I am oh, yeah. still here, and I'm Gabe. I didn't even say my name. And he steps in, but <laughs> we're still starting the podcast. Oh, wow. We're still starting this podcast off to an unusual start. What I was going to say before I realized I forgot to introduce ourselves as the hosts of this fabulous show we have a great show lined up with some epic quick news items, and then we're talking about Go Review, talking the best wireless carrier in the U.S. right now, T-Mobile versus Verizon versus AT&T, and we're closing the books on folding phones. Are they good? Are they bad? And what will Apple's folding phone look like? Stay tuned for that. But first, we have our quick news segment. So, Gabe... After, thank, thankfully, you remembered to introduce yourselves, but roll that quick news intro. Quick news. Welcome to Quick News, the segment where we talk about the latest new tech, tech news, and what's up next in tech. Stetson, we have a jam-packed lineup full of smartphones and a bunch of TikTok news, so let's just jump right into it. First off, uh, we have the Note 20 and all the other stuff that Samsung launched at their Galaxy, or what do they call it, the Note Unpacked event? So it's, event. it's the Galaxy Unpacked event, but I think they use that same name for their uh, over and over January or February they event. Use it, they use it every time. So this is so, I, yeah. I would say this is the Galaxy Note 20 Unpacked event, maybe. And yeah, that was, a, that was like five or six devices launched, including the Note 20, their Galaxy Live Buds, and the Galaxy Z Fold 2, but we're not really going to talk about any of that right now because we already did a bonus episode. So just go back, listen to that uh, if you still aren't caught up with that news. But moving on, we also did get another folding device. We finally actually got the Microsoft Surface Duo. Now, this is exciting because even if you're not excited about folding phones, it represents a partnership between Android, uh, obviously Google, and Microsoft in creating this device. Basically, it's a folding screen device that actually isn't using a folding screen. It's two separate screens that are kind of connected like a clamshell, right? That's correct. It's, it's kind of like if you had a laptop and the keyboard was all screen and then you just kind of flipped it so it was like a book. And you have two yeah. screens that you could fold together with a hinge in the middle. It's a different approach. And after seeing Microsoft's marketing material, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. This thing is looking sweet. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it's a different approach because it very much is. Rather than being like top specs, top of the line, this thing only has a uh, 855 Snapdragon processor, so not the new 865. So, you know, not that great. I think it's only six gigabytes of RAM, which is the same as the new Pixel 4a. Uh, it has two batteries that act as one, and that battery is only uh, about 3,700 or no, 3,500 milliamp hours, which is actually less than the iPhone 11 Pro. So, not too great there. It only has one camera actually, but you can use it as both the front-facing and the back-facing camera by just rotating that uh, screen around all the way so it's on the back. And then finally, it is only $1,400. I say only $1,400 because that's less than the Fold, but you know, it's yeah, so still very the expensive. Original, the original Fold retailed for just under $2,000. I think it was yeah. $1,980 or something like that. So for Microsoft to come out here on the market with their first folding device at 1400 that's not too bad. That's probably around the same price as a maxed out iPhone 11 Pro Max. Uh, that's right up there with Samsung's Galaxy S Note 20 Ultra and the S20 Ultra devices. So I'm feeling like this is a very reasonable price for a completely new age technology. Uh, yes, and granted that the specs don't look as good as the new Galaxy uh, Z Fold 2 or some of the other folding phones that we'll actually talk about later in this episode, but what I think Apple or Microsoft is doing here, I, I had a Freudian slip there, is that they're actually kind of taking the Apple approach of rather than focusing on specs and like getting the best tech possible, they're really focusing more on the experience and what you can do with the device. And just go online and watch some of the um, like some of the marketing materials out there and some of how... <laughs> The Android works and is utilized on these two um, screens, but it just it looks very interesting. Like pulling up an app, uh, rather than like splitting the app so the app runs across the whole screen, it'll actually operate kind of in two windows. Where you, if you're you know sending an email, you have your emails on the left screen, but you could have your new email that you're composing on the right screen. Uh, or don't watch the marketing material because then you'll want oh. to spend fourteen hundred dollars 
I think it's so cool. This is a phone. We'll get to that later yeah. in the episode. Gabe, what else is new? Well, we'll see that we'll see that phone September 10th, so we'll actually get a better idea of what it looks like and how it operates. Uh, Other new products, we got another budget phone. The budget phone wars continue this year. It is the Motorola One Fusion Plus. Now, this was originally released in June internationally, but is finally coming to U.S. shores. Starts at $399. Has a 6.5 inch display, five cameras on there. You got one 16 megapixel pop up on the front, and then four on the back, including a 64 megapixel sensor. Uh, it has a 5,000 milliamp battery that's over two days of battery life. And yeah, rounding out features 128 gigabytes of storage, 4 gigabytes of RAM, fingerprint sensor, and FM radio. It's funny because this is $400 compared to the Microsoft Surface Duo, and it has better specs. Granted, the Microsoft Surface Duo is a completely new groundbreaking phone and two screens and such. But it's just kind of an interesting seeing these phones back-to-back, how much more tech-wise you're getting with the Motorola uh fusion what is it one fusion plus versus the surface duo interesting but moving on out of the phone area we have something that i'm going to probably be trying to convince you to buy in a couple months or week we're both moving out to colorado uh so we'll be actually podcasting in the same room and i think something that we might look at is the new zoom podtract p4 now you've been a fan of zoom recorders you have their what zoom h5 that's correct. And now this is Zoom's first recorder dedicated to podcasting. You know, we have had the Rode podcast, some, I forget what it's called, but that's been the kind of gold standard for podcasters up to this point. Tascam has their own little thing. And now Zoom is getting into the space. It's only, first enticing thing, $199. So $200 for this thing. It has four XLR inputs and four headphone jacks so if you get four people in a room they can each have their own headphones and each have their own mic Uh, you can also get the ability to record say you have a guest remotely you can either connect it to your computer for zoom and skype calls via USB-C, or you can use a trrs jack to connect a phone for phone calls or even get a bluetooth accessory that they have available uh, to be able to connect a phone via bluetooth lastly it has four pads for triggering sound effects and can be used as a standalone recorder or as an audio interface the only bad news is it's not going to be available until mid-october but for any podcasters out there looking to dive a little bit and invest in some more gear for podcasting this looks pretty enticing honestly what is your instant reaction snap reaction is yes this thing looks sweet pre-order right now i think i probably spent 130 ish on the Focusrite 2i2 yeah the extra 70 bucks to get this zoom podtrack p4 easy i mean this looks great uh it solves all of our problems i know we've been having headphone issues we're in the same space of course doing the sound effects would also be really cool and really fun yeah, yeah. i think this is this is a definite I, I i honestly bet we'll see road probably drop their price maybe i don't know maybe not they have a kind of premium price market that they're in but it, it'll be very interesting to see what other companies now come up with considering zoom drops this mic uh mic. oh are they actually speaking of which they also did release a, a new mic for podcasting, that's going to be around like I think uh, eighty or ninety bucks, so very affordable. Anyways, yeah, I'm very excited about that. That's why I went it super deep into specs on that. The last couple things we got was we got new headphones from Sony. These are the WH1000XM4. God, Sony. Oh right, those. Yeah, those. Yes. Those ones. Basically, these are their premium noise canceling over ear headphones. Not really much of an upgrade, honestly. They look exactly the same as the previous gen. You do get now multi-device support, which is very important. I can attest to that. They have improved noise cancellation, a proximity sensor. So if you take the headphones off, it'll actually pause your music. And then when you put them back on, it will resume play. And they have the new pass-through mode that we've seen with a lot of uh, headphones where you can put your hand up to one of the ear cups and it will actually pipe in the noise from the outside via the new improved mics. Yeah, uh, otherwise, not really many changes. I personally would go for the Bose 700s right now because they've actually come down in price to around 300 whereas these new Sony headphones are coming in at 350 So I think, I yeah. mean, good moves from Sony. You're actually the using the, been, the Bose 700s right I'm now. I'm using the Bose 700s, uh, but, you know, I got to respect Sony. They are making a very well-rounded product here. Anyone who's interested in getting a good pair of wireless noise-canceling over-ear headphones, despite the crazy name, the 1000 XM4s are going to be a really great option. Of course, I personally prefer Bose because I find them more comfortable. 
Uh, but that is just me. Gabe, are we Each ready to move own. on to some We of the are not news? yet. We got a lot of new products, honestly. And I'm very excited about almost all of them. The one I'm not excited about here is the refreshed iMac. We did have Apple come out uh, this, what was it, July? No, June, and announced that they are switching all their Macs over to ARM processors and, you know, native-built Apple processors. Uh, they did say they were going to announce another computer before then, and this apparently was it. It was the refreshed iMac and iMac Pro. Uh, we got a, you know, like the iMac Pro and the iMac 21-inch got just like slightly new processors and SSD storage made standard. The iMac 27-inch Pro, or not Pro, sorry, just regular 27-inch version, did actually get a more noticeable upgrades. You got, of course, the same upgrades as the other ones, but you also got a new T2 security chip put in from other MacBook uh, computers. You got an improved 5K display with the nano texture coating from the XDR display added as an option. And you also got the better at speakers and mics from the new MacBook Pros, as well as a Mac first 1080p webcam put in. Now that's incredible. Oh. I would buy it just for that, honestly. It's kind of insane to that, that that it's a fact that this is the first Mac computer with a 1080p webcam. But yeah, this is the world we're living in in 2020. Hey, something so. to get excited about. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a great upgrade. And I think, you know, with this new iMac, it really makes me believe that the next apple arm computer we're going to see is going to be the laptop so i think they're going to yeah. focus on that especially with the back to school season next year we'll see you know of course what happens at that time uh but yeah it's a good upgrade for imac users the t2 chip especially is great that handles the h.265 encoding and decoding as Important someone who for does video not, editors yeah yeah for video editors as a video editor who does not have that chip I'm honestly a little bit unsure if I'll be using the newer codecs uh, just because I think it will, will cause my iMac to lag a lot. Gabe, yep. thank you for the new products. Well, wait, well, uh, we I don't want to cut you off. Rounding but... out the new products, we also saw Audio-Technica drop some new colors for the popular AT2020 mics and ATH-M50X headphones. Olympus, yeah, remember them? They make cameras. They released a new Micro Four Thirds camera that starts at $799. And the DJI Mavic Air 2 essentially became a new product as DJI rolled out a new software update that adds features including 4K hyperlapse, 2X zoom capabilities in 4K video mode, and some new obstacle avoidance controls, which I'll attest, yeah, uh, this is the drone that DJI actually should have released like three months ago. But now if you go pick it up, you can actually get, you know, the finalized version essentially. So yeah, That's that great. is that is actually it for new products. Let's move on to what's news. Uh, Seth, and take it away. Yeah, sure. I mean, something I just wanted to throw on here that this is new for me, but it's actually been out, I think, since 2011, I want to say. And it's Amazon's live streaming platform. So they actually have a what? platform where you can live stream Amazon.com slash live. Never before had I heard of this. Just found it the other day. And it's kind of Amazon's they're integrating with So now we're doing now we're doing what's news for Stetson. Yeah, this is this is Stetson's news. Okay. I mean, did you know about this? I I vaguely, I, if you pressed me hard, I would probably say yeah, kind of, but no, I, I it's never like, navigated to the site. <laughs> it's like uh, YouTube, but it's all yeah. live streamed and it's closely integrated with Amazon affiliate links and products. Yeah. So, of course, uh, they I think I've seen people them. streaming on it on Prime Day is when I've seen it. It's just, it's weird. And yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I wanted to give a shout and let us know if you've heard about it on social or if this is also news to you. Uh, going back to another tech giant, Google, they actually just bought a stake in ADT. ADT makes home security cameras. Google purchased a stake for $450 million, getting access to ADT's 6.5 million customers and, of course, their technicians. Google is hoping to help push and drive sales for their Nest Home devices and better compete with companies like Amazon. I, I and honestly Ring. almost thought ADT just made the signs that say this house is secured by ADT. They they do a little bit more than that. Yeah. And with Google's ownership, we'll have to see what new products come out and hopefully we get some better home security tech from Google. Uh, another news from Google, they introduced Nearby Share. This is Google's answer to AirDrop where Android users on Android 6 and up can easily share files locally using a combination of Bluetooth and local Wi-Fi technology. You get a similar interface to AirDrop on iPhone, and this is now available on Pixel devices and certain Samsung devices. 
I'm sure it'll be rolling out to more devices soon. Speaking of software, we had, of course, the Note 20 launch, and at the Note 20 event, Samsung was proud to announce their partnership with Microsoft, who is bringing their xCloud game streaming service over to Android. It's launching September 15th. No iOS support. Uh, of course, there is some headbutting going on. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, but that's the Microsoft news. Also, we have the TikTok saga that is continuing. Microsoft <laughs> was in talks of buying TikTok or the U.S. branch of TikTok as they are banned starting September 15th. And of course, we have Twitter in talks of possibly buying TikTok as well. Instagram has officially launched Instagram Reels, trying to capture market share of this short video segment community that people are loving. And we also now have Snapchat adding their own TikTok style music feature. It's gonna be rolling out. I even heard I even heard Netflix, someone was saying they should buy TikTok. It's like this is this is kind of getting crazy with this whole TikTok. It's wild. I mean, I think what's crazy to me right now is I'm not even sure if TikTok makes money. Like they just have users and eyeballs and attention. No, they have ads. They definitely have ads on there. I, I feel like, yeah, but it's just, are they profitable? Are, mm, I mean, it's true. just so, it's so the fastest, interesting to me. Fastest growing social media platform, so maybe not profitable if they're just trying to bring on new users, but they're definitely, it's a hot thing, and I don't know, I would be pretty sad if it got banned in the U.S. It, it is, yeah, I mean, I think it brings up kind of the a U.S. versus China mini trade war that's going on, and really what we have is just a platform that's making things fun. It's creating communities and creating a lot of joy and entertainment. Uh, so hopefully we can work something out because I'm not a TikTok user myself, but I'd love to see it stick around. In other battle headbutting news, Apple just kicked Fortnite off of the App Store. And in similar news, Fortnite has now been banned off the Google Play Store on Android as well. Now, Gabe, you might be asking, Stetson, why is this happening? Yeah, yeah, I was I was going to ask that, I think. Yeah, Stetson, uh, why is this happening? Well, that's a great question, Gabe. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Earlier, it says earlier today, but of course, this was probably last week, uh, Epic Games snuck in an update for both iPhone and Android. Epic Games is, of course, the company behind Fortnite, and what it enabled is for players to pay Epic Games directly for in-app purchases. Why is this not allowed? Well, Apple on their iOS platform is uh, makes it in their terms of conditions that the consumers pay a 30% cut. So of you say you buy a $1 in-app purchase, 30 cents goes to Apple, 70 cents goes to Epic Games. Same thing on the Android side of here, Google takes a 30% cut of all purchases. So Epic they are trying to bypass this 30% cut. And this is actually why services like Netflix do not allow you to sign up in the app. You actually have to go online to the Netflix website. Yeah, Netflix, Spotify, though they've started to work out some deals with people like them. Uh, like I know Amazon uh, Prime Video, for the longest time you couldn't like add movies or download movies in the app. But now they kind of worked out a deal with uh, Yeah, it's, it's this like weird thing going on. And so... Uh, that was the attention-grabbing news, having uh, having Fortnite pulled from the stores. And what makes this such a wild ride is Epic then sued Apple for taking their game off the store. They put an in-game video parroting Apple's own 1984 commercial, positioning Apple as a monopolist. And really why this is such a big deal is at the end of the day, Epic Games is owned or has a huge share owned by Tencent. 48.5% of Epic Games is owned by Tencent. Epi uh, Tencent also operates WeChat. And really what we have here in the 50-page legal document, Epic Games is proposing making their own app store on iOS and possibly on Android as well. So this could really open up Epic Games in the Chinese market uh, to more companies in the U.S., and uh, it also, you know, kind of could potentially circumvent the TikTok ban. I mean, yeah, there's so is, much at play here. It, it's kind of crazy. Multifaceted here. I do think that, you know, Apple's 30% cut on the surface, it seems kind of a, a little bit strict and a little bit crazy. 
But then you realize one of the reasons they say that they're doing it, of course, is to prevent, you know, just any apps from coming in. Uh, and it's kind of a curated curation fee, right? You're, you're getting into this marketplace, then you have to give up a little bit more money. So I don't know. I'm torn. We'll see where this ends out. I don't think lawsuits really benefit consumers in the end, you know, mainly just benefits the lawyers that are, you know, getting all their legal fees paid. So, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on this. I think that was it for uh, the news part. So let's well, go on to, there, there oh, is sorry. one. Yeah, I know we're like stepping on each other's toes right now. The one more thing I wanted to mention is oh, of yeah, course, this. Gabe and I were so excited for Canon's EOS R5, R6, and of course the Sony A7S III cameras. We did a whole bonus episode talking about cameras. The latest news is that a website called EOS HD, they did testing and are reporting that the overheating limitations in the Canon EOS R5 are fake and are using artificial timers to lock out video mode. Now, the testing did seem to be done quite thoroughly, and I think we're kind of waiting on either other members of the community or a response from Canon themselves on this um, assertion. Uh, but yeah, either way, I think this shows that Canon has potentially you know, this, okay, more this, plans. This makes no sense to me, because why would they implement some feature that essentially cripples their own cameras you know we don't know i'm hoping this means that canon is working on a proper video focused camera to better compete with the a7s3 maybe yeah but I, yeah it's it's just weird that's all i can it's, say it's, it's just yeah, weird it's, i don't i i would put this in the very much like r almost rumors category which oh, is a good transition we're moving on to rumors uh first off for our rumors is that we kind of mentioned this actually in our bonus episode about the note yeah 20. we did yeah, but Google announced their Pixel 4a, and then they kind of also announced the Pixel 4a and or Pixel 4a 5G, sorry, and the Pixel 5 all at the same time. And yeah, that was kind of weird because they aren't actually announcing them; they're just saying, "Oh, these are coming." So anyone who is in the market for you know a Pixel 4a uh, or is thinking of buying you know Pixel 4. They a already discontinued the Pixel Four and Pixel Four XL, but then also said, "Oh, we have these new phones coming out in like a month or two, so probably don't buy any other of our phones and just wait for those." Kind of. Yeah, and, it was interesting. Uh, yeah. The Pixel Four and Four XL only had a nine-month life cycle, so you know, Trump. I I think Google is really hoping the Five and the Four A Five G are going to be the the better devices this fall, but. Uh, yeah, you can get great deals on Pixel 4 if you are looking for used. But or Gabe, continue on. Yeah, or if you're also looking for another budget phone, we might get a new phone that's not actually a new phone. It would be the OnePlus Aurora, which is basically just going to be the North American version of the Nord that they announced, I think, in July. And yeah, we saw some leaks about that. I don't know. I, the budget phones are kind of getting overwhelming at this point. There's so many coming out. It's hard to keep track. So let's just move on. To something more interesting to my heart, DJI, uh, they, yeah, they, you know, we've been talking about them for a while. We just got the Mavic Air back in May. Mavic 3 Pro has been on the horizon. Unfortunately, that looks like probably won't be released until 2021. But the exciting news is it looks like we might actually get a new drone still from them this year, and that could be an FPV drone. Now, for those who don't know, FPV stands for first person view. It's basically those racing drones you might have seen that zoom around. You know, they had some races on ESPN where they're like flying through glowing hoops and around stadiums and stuff. And this would be that type of drone, but with, of course, that DJI extra polish, you know, maybe some obstacle avoidance or GPS sensing to make it a little easier for people to come into the industry. Uh, yeah, it'll be, or it'll be interesting to see if this actually materializes because they do have the FPV headphones. But all we have to go on so far is basically we got uh, a heavily, heavily pixelated image that all you could see essentially was that it was it was the shape of a drone and it had the DJI logo because that part wait, was unpixelized. Wait a minute, what like what yeah. phones are these people using? Well, no, like, I think it was pixelized in post because they didn't want maybe like it was a tester unit for someone and they didn't want to get in trouble for leaking the image. Maybe I'm not I'm not really sure, but we got that and then we also got in the DJI Fly app in the most recent update on Android, there was some new strings of code that had uh, references to DJI FPV. So it could just be that they're maybe releasing some new headsets that w work with the FPV app or with the DJI Fly app, but let's hope that it's actually an FPV drone. Uh, and finally, last big thing, Apple. 
Uh, they are known for doing fall events. And usually the iPhone comes out in September and then you get kind of an iPad and watch event in October. It looks like they're going to swap that this year. We got some leaked uh, dates for it from John Prosser on Twitter slash YouTube. He said that it looks like we'll see the Apple Watch and iPad uh, on September 7th or so via press release. Then we'll see an iPhone 12 event on around October 12th with the iPhone 12 devices starting that day and shipping the week of October 19th. And then the iPhone 12 Pro devices, though, uh, will be pre-order and shipping in November, so a lot later. And that's kind of what we expected since the regular 12 devices are um, rumored to be the 4G variants. And then the pro ones will be the 5G with the upgraded, like, uh, sent, like what is it, LiDAR cameras on the back. This is very similar to what Apple did with the launch of the iPhone 10. So I think yep. it's more than plausible. Like, they're going to announce these things, and the pro is probably taking a little bit longer in production. We'll see that just a month later. Yeah, but that's pretty much it for quick news. That was very much not quick this episode. Moving on, we have Go Review. And this one is kind of a special. It's a special, well, I guess we weren't quick for quick news, but we'll be quick for our Go review this episode because if you don't know, Stetson is a very. Well, are you the best at this? I mean, like, if you put in cell phone plan reviewers, are you like the most subscribed out there, or like, you're? I, it's a very niche market. So it's a niche market, and my you're a videos big fish, big fish in a small tend, pond. They do tend to rank quite well for cell phone plan related yeah. searches. I'm trying my best, so I appreciate anyone's viewership. But yeah, if, you, if you're looking for a new cell phone plan, my videos are usually the ones like you, that pop yeah, you up can't, on YouTube. Yeah, you can't be going to a wrong to the wrong person at all. If you're like Stetson's exactly the right person for cell phone plans. So I asked him, considering that you know when I'm moving out to Colorado, I might be hopping off my parents' cell phone plan, and you know I'm 26. I, I feel like I should be moving out of home, moving off the cell phone plan. Maybe not. I know people who are older that are still on the cell phone plans from their parents because it makes sense to bundle. But anyways, I said Stetson. Could you review in three minutes, since there are three major carriers, you know, we won't get into the, all the smaller MVN, MVNOs? Or? MVNOs, yeah. yeah. We won't correct. get into those. This Maybe that's for a different Go review. This time I said there's three carriers, AT&T, Verizon, and now uh, T-Mobile slash Sprint got gobbled up by them. So three carriers. Give us the best review you can about which one is best in three minutes. Stetson, I give you the floor. Do you want me to have a timer or do you have a timer? I've, I've got one going right now. Okay. So thank you, Gabe, for that introduction. Yeah, we have in the United States actually four major providers, but right now three major networks. We have T-Mobile. They recently merged with Sprint. We're waiting for the Sprint network infrastructure to be properly merged with T-Mobile. As of right now, Sprint customers can roam on the T-Mobile network uh, but those two networks are still kind of operating separately as it stands. With the merger, I personally would pick T-Mobile as one of my number one providers. I use their network in my area. It's good. T-Mobile launched their standalone 5G network. They now have the largest 5G network uh, in most areas around the United States. So if you're looking to get on 5G, I think T-Mobile is a really great win. I'm loving their network. I'm loving what they're doing. Fast data speeds, good performance, all that jazz. Verizon. Verizon is one of the top dogs. They are known for having straight up the best coverage in the United States for their 4G LTE network. I hands down agree this is true. The problem is in some areas, I feel like people think, all right, it's Verizon. It's got to be the best. And even though the coverage is good, because there are so many people on Verizon, it can get congested and the speeds can actually be slow. So even though you'll have Verizon coverage, the speeds may be slower than other networks in that area. This brings us to AT&T, another top dog. I think, you know, they're doing fine. In some areas, they're great. In other areas, they could use some improvements. I have been dissatisfied with AT&T's 5GE branding, kind of misleading consumers into thinking their old 4G phones somehow got like an upgraded 5G feature. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of AT&T's marketing tactics. <laughs> I think their website needs to be updated too. Um, but overall, they they have had a very strong network. What I love what T-Mobile and Verizon are doing, and I think actually AT&T is doing this too, is they're offering internet packages. So I think this is going to start expanding out to consumers who maybe don't have the best internet. They're using satellite internet or something like that. 
uh, there will be solutions where you can purchase an LTE compatible modem, turn that into your wireless hotspot for your home, get internet that way over an LTE network. So that's it. The fourth carrier is Dish. They're brand new. They just scooped up Boost Mobile subscribers. We have yet to see where this goes. As it stands right now, I think Dish will eventually be taken seriously, but really they do have a lot to prove. Um, and overall, yeah, yeah it, it, the, the coverage and performance varies so much by location. You are going to want to look up what works best in your area. For me, I'm a T-Mobile guy. Verizon, Verizon is a good option for a lot of people. Um, and if you're traveling, why not both? That's my that's my three minute mark. So wow, that's my that's review. A, that seems like a good uh, a good review there. The one question I have: T-Mobile. You think that will get better? In oh the future yeah, hundred percent. Sprint gets incorporated. Too? I I mean, I don't. I'm not a financial advisor. I really believe in the T-Mobile network. What they're doing. I think with the Sprint acquisition, what T-Mobile was basically buying was Sprint's mid band five G capabilities. Mm. And with these two networks synergized together i think we're not only to get better performance better coverage but we're going to see much faster speeds and uh much higher capacity for more users so i i'm oh, a wow. really big believer in the t-mobile network um if you haven't used them in a while i would you know maybe circle back uh, in my area in particular i remember in high school i had basically no coverage in my house and now t-mobile works great where i live i think thanks to their band 12 rollout but yeah, I think T-Mobile, I've seen them do some of the most improvements on their network. Verizon 5G is so limited to the cities right now. You do have to be like in a certain block in a certain city that uh, it's just not ready for prime time. Whereas T-Mobile, their 5G network is here. You can use it. It's more accessible when you have that compatible device. So I don't want to go too on. I'm a big T-Mobile fan, as you can tell. Uh, but again, you know, everything varies I have, I have by one location. More question. So. Yeah. How much do you advise as someone who does switch plans and have multiple plans going up many times? I know with like insurance policies, it's a good idea to switch plans oh, pretty dear often. Oh God! Like just, but is it a good idea to switch plans with cell phones? Because like a lot of times you get sign up offers and stuff. Like, would you suggest people change plans? You know, if in their area, for example, they have comparable coverage, is it a good idea to change plans every like year, year and a half to get better rates or stuff like so that? So the plans themselves typically won't change. Sometimes there will be special promotions. I did a video on T-Mobile's four lines for $100 promotion. Uh, but really, my advice is I strongly encourage listeners to purchase their own phone unlocked so they can use it on any plan, any carrier they want. And if you're an individual, a single line like you may be, Gabe, that's where it makes a lot of sense to go with either the prepaid options from the major providers. Verizon Prepaid just launched amazing loyalty discounts where your bill drops as you're a longer customer. Uh, we have T-Mobile. They launched super affordable prepaid plans starting at 15 bucks a month. AT&T Prepaid has a great auto pay discount, so it's like 50 bucks a month for unlimited. Uh, but yeah, so bring your own device. Then you're not locked into any carrier or contract. You can switch based on what plan meets your needs at that time. Working from home, maybe you can switch to a plan with just minutes and texts as you don't need as much data. Uh, but that, to my opinion, gives you the most flexibility. If you are looking to finance your phone, uh, Apple does do the iPhone upgrade program, although I think you, you need to be on a specific plan for that. Uh, but really just try and finance it from the major provider or save up and buy the device outright and go with a more affordable plan. That's kind of what I would say. I think I personally wouldn't switch carriers to get the phones because when you try and switch again, I, I feel like just that hassle of having the phones not work, somehow they're locked or you didn't you didn't submit your unlock request in the right order and you you know, it just causes a hassle. That's my take. Okay. That's thank you very much. That was a good review. Uh I honestly a little selfishly was probably asking for that whole review there just so I could get some uh, Yeah, I insight. mean honestly the truth is the if you're on one of the newer plans, specifically Verizon, I know you're a Verizon customer, so yep. if you're on one of the Verizon unlimited plans, it is the best to stick with them on a family. So for example, uh, I'll pitch you, there's two carriers, Visible, Love Visible, $40 a month for unlimited, but it is deprioritized. With Verizon Postpaid, you get postpaid data priority. And with a family plan, uh, the cost is around 40 to $45 a month. So for that you know, couple extra bucks, you're getting priority data. Often there's some additional mm -hmm. features bundled in there. And yeah. I think for a lot of people that will be worth it. 
whereas visible can slow down in some areas quite a lot depending on the data prioritization level. So, so maybe I'll, maybe I will stay stay on my plan. I would I would just plan. stick with it, you know, maybe pay for your share of the bill yeah. or um in my family we're three lines and we're at that awkward zone where three lines it's actually cheaper for each person to get their own plan than it is to hop on a family plan. So, so kind of four is where do. it starts to make more sense. Yeah, four is really where all the carriers sweeten up that deal, really try and make it worth signing up for. Um, you know, you know, typically two parents, two kids, or maybe you get, you know, some nephew thrown in there or something like that. So nice. Well, that was go review with a little bit extended Q&A where I threw in my own questions. Uh, Stetson, do you have something for me to review next time? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted this to be more of a surprise, but I think it is kind of fitting, you know, with the TikTok war going on. We have a bunch of you creators. You living in the hype house? Okay. All exactly. Right. So I I'm want you to fly in. out to California. Infiltrate. <laughs> Infiltrate. Get enough, get enough Don't followers. get coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So first step, you need to gain, uh, I don't like millions, millions of followers, of followers. before. When is it? Ban- when's the band? September I need to also 15? be younger and cooler, probably, because I think I'm. Yep. So uh, maybe I'm get a, old, maybe get a fake ID boomer. just to bring yeah. your age down a little bit. Okay. Cool. And um, no, really, All right. I think and, wait, we... I only, and I get a full two weeks to do this. Yeah, that's correct. That's I'll correct. do it by have, a, have it to you by <laughs> next, next week. Yeah, okay. Full report, written five yeah. page paper. All right. Uh, no, what really is going to happen is I think we're going to have a lot of creators on TikTok potentially looking for another platform to jump to. And I would love to get your input on Instagram Reels. I saw it launch, and I I would love to hear your opinions on it. Is it? as easy to go viral how's the creation process how do you feel reels is integrated in the instagram app should it have had its own app and been separate like tiktok is and yeah i guess maybe you know what content would make sense to place where on instagram if you have a great drone photo is that do you put that in your story is that a feed thing do you have a you know quick clip when do you put in reels yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts i know you're a very creative person so that's yeah, that's what i'm I'll looking get, for I'll get to that I actually haven't really used Reels that much, so it'll be a good incentive for me to go out and try it. But that was Go Review. Tune in next week for my review of Instagram Reels. Now moving on to kind of the main part of the episode, which draws back on stuff we talked previously, you know, Surface Duo and stuff. We're talking about the future of phones and really more specifically folding phones. Where are we now? What's the current state? And noticeably, where is Apple going to be coming in? Because they haven't released a folding phone. And when will it be released? What will it be? And yeah, can we can we dream it? Will it ever happen? Even maybe it won't happen. I think yeah. There's a lot of speculation here, and I think it's fun. I think we should start with the current state of folding phones. And Gabe, you did a great job introducing the Microsoft Surface Duo, the newest member of the folding phone family, taking a different approach with the two screens and a hinge in the middle Yeah, is that like do we even call that a folding phone i think is the first question what That's, do we def, do we find define it as something that has two screens something that has one screen something that is able to you know just like a folding laptop be able to use you know open like a tablet or you know what what's the definition really that's a great i mean this is a great place to start i i would say based on what i've seen i would qualify a folding phone as a device with, hmm, well, then we had, it gets complicated because we had, yeah. I think it was LG and they were introducing their, is like a case so you could purchase an additional screen for your LG yep. phone. So I think it has to have a hinge and fold. I'm going to make a stipulation. It has to be one device. So it can't be two device, like not an accessory or add on. Okay. And maybe it does need two screens because we see two screens on all the folding phones right now. We have one on the outside, one on the inside, even if it is like a tiny little one inch screen on the Z Flip. Well, no, the only thing is, what is it? The Is it the Huawei or the Xiaomi uh, phone that has only one screen and it folds so the screen is around this the outside? Is, I think this is the Royal FlexPi, right? Is that it? No, I think it's I think it's the Huawei's phone. Or, I'm oh, not they sure. have one that's out. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Interestingly, well, well, interestingly, I would say this phone... Versus the Galaxy, so the Galaxy uh, Two Fold has six cameras on there, and I I saw I forget which YouTuber had a video on it, but he was basically saying that six cameras doesn't really make sense because you can only use one camera at a time. So why is six cameras a good thing? You know they advertise it like six cameras is greatest thing, but all it means is more cost to the consumer and more things that could potentially break. 
whereas the Huawei phone only I think has two cameras or maybe even just one camera I think and it, it's just a, you know kind of like the Surface Duo has where it's that one camera and you fold the phone the screen around to the other way to use it as a back facing camera or when you're using it folded out uh, it's a front facing camera and that way they could make that one camera or maybe you put two cameras there you can make that those limited cameras way better than having six cameras on a phone. Yeah, so looking at it now, it looks like it's the Huawei Mate X. Yeah. Still, I I think the Huawei approach is mistaken, and this is this is my take. So we have, I'm gonna say three kinds of folding phones. We have the Galaxy Z Flip. This is a vertical folding phone, okay, yep. much like a flip phone. We have the Galaxy Z Fold 2. This is a book phone that folds outwards. And we have, I guess, four. We have the Microsoft hinged two-screen folding device. And with the Huawei Mate X, the the fold is on the outside. So I don't how do you describe it? It's it's like the screen folds back on itself. And is yeah, it's wrapped like rather, around the exterior. Rather than, being, rather than caring about the interior of the book, the screen is the cover of the book, basically. I think the exterior folding the contraption that Huawei's going with here is lacking in durability. And I think, you know, because suddenly the screen is completely exposed yeah. at all times. I don't think it's the move. So I'm, I'm going to say I really like the Z Flip. I really like what Samsung's doing. And I really like the Surface Duo. Gabe, what is your take? If you were going to like try and use one of these devices, which folding mechanism do you think you would go for at this time? I agree with you. I do like the Z Flip for some reason. That seems more, I don't know. It just it just seems right more because it's like it's still the same size as a regular phone. You just fold down to be smaller than the phone. I mean, ideally, right now it's kind of thicker and chunkier, but eventually, you know, it would be that, oh, it's still the same size as my phone. It just folds down smaller, which kind of makes more sense. I don't think, you know, maybe the business user and stuff and the heavy, like, um, person who uses tons of, like, you know, basically only uses their phone for stuff would want a bigger screen potentially. And otherwise, people would be like, yeah, I just want a smaller phone. If I could have my iPhone 12, you know, when it comes out or, you know, my Android uh, Pixel 5, you know, as a smaller phone, but still get the same screen size and just fold it up, put it in my pocket, that would be great. Whereas what Samsung's doing with their Note, or, or sorry, not Note, the Galaxy Fold 2 or Z Fold 2 and, you know, the Surface Duo is it's still a big phone, like a regular phone size, and then you just fold it out to be even bigger. So I would say the Z Flip I like the best. Then I kind of do like the Surface Duo, but it also seems to me very reminiscent of like Palm Pilots almost. And like kind sure. of old, not not really new tech in a way i think i don't know i i had this question too like what is the the use case for these devices like why would any consumer in their right mind go out and buy these Uh, the answer is currently don't like they're very expensive they're overpriced (laughs) and not really delivering on that you just want to flex on people if you're (laughs) if you are a tech enthusiast by all means you like you probably already purchased one of these and you love it and that's great uh, but really, I think we have two different scenarios here. The first one is it's come to my attention from some of my female friends uh, that their clothing doesn't have pockets. Yeah. Uh, this, this is, is a big, perplexing I mean, the, to me. Well, instead of developing smaller phones, why don't we just give girls you know, pockets in their jeans? Bigger pockets. Stuff? Yeah. Uh, so I could see the vertical fold being helpful. You know, smaller device, you can fit in your pocket. Uh, I don't know if this would be a good idea, but you could potentially put like one half of the fold inside your pants, one side outside, so it kind of just sits there. there, Yeah, Yeah, hang it there. Maybe it's more secure. Um, And really, I don't think it's that much better because all of a sudden to access your phone, access your device, your apps, you need to physically unfold it. And I like... The iPhone, your your current glass sandwich device you have now, it's just boom. You tap it, it's on, it's ready to go. So I like the standard phone design over the vertically flipping design right now. And the okay. use case for the Z Fold 2, this book phone, where they have the gorgeous screen on the inside that is 7.6 inches, is you have a phone when you need it, 
and a tablet when you want it. So, you know, phone call coming in, boop, answer that. You want to shoot off a quick message, boop, do that on the outside, maybe browse a web page. Notably, and- you didn't say tablet when you need it. You said tablet when you want it because does anyone really need a tablet? I, no, one, no one really needs a tablet. You know, obviously, most people yeah. have their phones now. But I, I still think like the magic of being able to immerse yourself I get in yeah. like a suddenly a huge environment where the apps can take up more screen real estate and you basically just have like an iPad mini in your pocket. Like Gabe, as an iPad mini user, like wouldn't you want to carry that in your pocket? Like wouldn't that be so cool to just, you know, I iPad guess mini? I guess that's kind of cool. I would personally, yeah, I can kind of see the appeal of it, right? You can just have your phone and then all of a sudden if you need a tablet or something bigger to do some work. You have that bigger device. I guess my hesitation is, yeah, the use use of it. What's How useful is it going to be? And I don't think Samsung has done a good job or Royal Flex Pi or even Xiaomi or Huawei of demonstrating the use of their folding screen phones. The best uh, usefulness, I think, so far, even though we haven't actually really got the phone released yet as far as being sold, is the Surface Duo from Microsoft slash Google because... They really worked, it seems like, to emphasize this is how we're going to develop a new UI and new Android features so that, you know, this isn't just bigger apps. Cool. Yay. I have maps now on a 7.6 inch screen instead of on a you know 6.7 inch vertical screen. Uh, but it's, you know, OK, when I tap a link, the link doesn't, you know, I don't open full screen on the, you know, say I'm in a, in a text message, you send me a link. It doesn't just open full screen that link it actually opens it on the other screen so i can still have my text messages there but then have that new link and window on the other screen so that actually i think makes more sense use wise i still i don't know it seems very much like they're kind of just putting shots in the dark here sure i i think to kind of summarize my thoughts on this i think samsung has created a technical masterpiece the development and or they're they're, they're working towards one because it still has issues I, I think they've made tremendous uh, progress in the last year since their first Z Fold, or excuse me, just the Fold came out. Uh, they developed razor-thin glass. We're looking at glass that is 30 microns thick. They put a screen protector on top of that that's plastic to actually help protect the glass from scratching. And because you're folding the screen on itself, it's actually more protected. You're less likely to damage the screen and uh, because it's so thin, you have improved sharpness, clarity with the actual panel underneath it, and it can be extremely bright. Um, so I, I'm very impressed with it, what they've done and, and the hinge design and their vacuum cleaner sweepers to keep dust out. Well, I, 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 I would still hold out to see how it actually performs, though. Sure, right? sure. I remember, mean, remember, remember how good the fold looked until first week? It was, you know, falling oh, apart. Oh, yeah, in that, was, that was a disaster for sure. I'm yeah. more confident because... The Z Fold 2 is based on the same technology as the Z Flip. And I feel the Z Flip is kind of, it's lived up to its durability expectations for me in my mind at this time. True. I think the problem with Samsung is their software. Like, I don't think there's any software that makes sense to take care of or, or, or to use their, like the vertical Z Flip. I think, like, would you want to use half of your screen at a time for like, like for call for doing a duo video call or for taking photos. Wait, are we talking about the Z Flip? Yeah, so this is the vertical the, flipping the Z, Z flip, flip. The Z Flip, I think, actually does have some cool uses, like the ability to just set it and you know use it as a tripod almost and do video calling with your phone rather than trying to prop it up. Some of that stuff makes sense. Yeah, I agree though. Some of the other uses of you know having like yeah, you don't want it on half. So what do you do when it's only folded partially open? You know, how do you use that? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think it's unusual. I don't think the software experience is as refined. And I think with the Z Fold 2, I think that is looking really great as a device. And I think it does have some slightly better multitasking. Uh, But ultimately, I think where these products shine is with the Surface Duo. I think Microsoft worked closely with Google to create this experience that is almost Apple-like in how intuitive it is and how you can swipe and fling apps from screen to screen and use it so my question for you gabe is do you think we could just pull this software experience on a single screen tablet device like make it so that like you could i feel like pretty easily emulate two screens together and would that just provide a better experience like 
would it just make sense to be operating an so iPad? You're, so you're thinking kind of like a folding screen device that opens up into one tablet-like thing, but then operates like the Surface Duo, basically? I'm just not even that. I'm just oh, thinking okay. like take your current iPad mini and pour and it over you, the software. And, you, like, and have the ability that it smartly will launch to Windows. Yeah, yeah I exactly. Could, like, I could see Apple doing that. Shouldn't we uh, just do that? But the question, though, is you don't really see that on, you know, uh, computers, I guess. But I guess I guess the difference would be computers, you know, you can have layers of windows and programs on top of each other, whereas, you know, tablets have always been limited to a, you know, Apple iPads only just recently got multitasking. But even now that, you know, it's like you have split screen or you have like a kind of semi like there's limited to how you do multitasking. So the ability for these mobile devices to smartly recognize Oh, let me launch this quickly in another uh, dual screen setup. Like if you want to watch a video, you know, and you click a link, you can have it, you know, be able to smartly rather than launch YouTube full, it will just have it half screen or something. Yeah. So I think this is really where Microsoft is shining. Like their two screen device, it's really instead of having a singular tablet, it's almost like you really do have two phones connected by a hinge. Yeah. And they can operate individually or together in unison and i think the the genius of it is making it so as you mentioned you tap a link in a message boom it opens up in a new uh on the second screen in a new app or maybe you're exploring uh, a new hiking trail and you want directions boom you tap on it and google maps opens up on that second screen as opposed to overtaking the trails app like that to me is brilliant and i almost feel like we could just do that with software And that is where exactly I feel like Samsung is lacking because on the fold, you need to do like an iPad maneuver where you bring over this dock of, you know, select apps, then tap and drag it onto the screen to create a dual screen environment or really a split screen environment as opposed to dual screen. And yeah, I think what what Microsoft is pitching is a really unique productivity angle on why people want not necessarily a folding device but a two-screen mobile device. Okay, so the, now this brings up the interesting thing of then, do you think if Apple eventually, all right, getting down the road, they launch a dual-screen device, would they launch it as this is a phone, like so an iPhone fold that folds out into a bigger tablet, or would they say it's maybe, what, an iPhone dual, and it's like a dual-screen, or would they put it under the iPad brand, like an iPad mini type folding thing? That's I, This is a really good question. I think, I mean, I guess my question would be, which folding method do you think would be easier for Apple to implement, right? Because I think Samsung has been working on their hinge design for years. Like that is one of the probably technical challenges of a folding phone. Like we can get displays to fold. Apple's own OLED displays on their current iPhone actually fold underneath themselves to create that perfectly symmetrical edge-to-edge but design. The, but the idea is having the stability, I mean, not the stability, the durability to do repeated folds over and over and over again. Exactly. And not have pixels give out and weaken and stuff like that. Right, and with the fold, you have that crease down the middle. Okay, yeah. what do you think of the crease? Is that... The, the crease was one of the main things I noticed when using the Galaxy Fold out of Best Buy, that it really was just... It, you noticed it whenever you're using apps, especially when they stretch, you know, they stretch across the whole screen or they were light, you know, bright colored apps with white interfaces or stuff like that. Yeah, you definitely would notice that fold. That's why all the images of the Z Fold 2 have black down the middle. It's so, yeah, it's so true. You just got to hide that. The camera's yeah, got to be positioned don't, right don't at this angle. That. And also, they they also hide where the uh, camera, front-facing camera is too because it's black over that. So you don't well, see where with, that little punch-out camera Z is. With the Z Fold 2, they're using the Infinity O display. So they're yeah. actually doing the whole punch cutouts on but all you the still, cameras. But you still don't see where it is though because it's black I guess it's in that true. area. Yeah, it's like cleverly hidden. I think given what's on the market, I mean, we've had folding laptops for years. I think Apple, they make incredible hinges for their laptops. I think with the iPad keyboard stand, I think that's kind of another approach to a hinge. I think... Based on what's on the market, Apple will adopt Microsoft's uh, Neo, excuse me, uh, well, Neo and Duo, but I think that dual screen hinge device, I think that's going to be the move for Apple. I think they can use glass. I think they can achieve the optical clarity and color accuracy they strive for on their displays. 
I think it'll be more likely to hit their durability standards. And uh, they may even be more likely to achieve some kind of water or dust resistance but, with it. But will they call this like the iPhone Pro Fold? So it will be an iPhone or Pro, I don't know what, tu- du- Duo? Oh, they can't use that. Like, what are they going to call it? You know, what are they going to put it? What line are they going to market it as? I mean, would this be a, a product defining category? A category? No, a category defining product. So we had like Apple Watch defined its own wearable category. iPhone defined the phone category. iPad, the iPad, or excuse me, the tablet I, category. Do they call it the iFold? The iFold. No, they won't. They'd be the, the I, Apple the, Fold. The iDuo? I don't know. Apple Duo. The. I mean, you can't use Duo. I feel like that's too taken by Microsoft. So it's they really. They own it now. Yeah, it's. It's really this weird thing where once Apple releases it, I feel like we'll all go, oh, of course. You know, that's I if if they have their you know previous Apple magic, because the same thing has happened, you know, the iPhone, the Apple iPad and most recently the AirPods or especially because up until that point we had wireless, truly wireless headphones or earbuds. But Apple released the AirPods. Yeah, people laughed originally. But then after like a year or two years, they're like, yeah, that's a that's the right way to do it. Yeah, I, I think, no, I'm, I'm feeling, as we're talking about this, I'm feeling super confident. Apple's going to do a two-screen folding device. It's going to be very similar to Microsoft's. I think, I think what Microsoft did is they built the software right. And I think that makes the experience much more powerful. Like Samsung has the technical, yes, we made glass so thin it can fold. We made this incredible hinge that hopefully works unlike last year's model. Uh, but really, I think what Microsoft was doing is is focusing on like the business world and focusing on people who need to get work done. And getting more work done is easier and more intuitive when you have two screens that work in tandem with each other. So I think, I think based on Microsoft positioning this as a phone, I think Apple would probably do the same thing, the iPhone Fold or the iPhone the iphone 2 what if we did that just throw back to the iphone 2 it's gonna be that's gonna be a mess see that's the problem why they had to call it the duo uh, they'll come up with something that they can you know something another what's another way to symbolize two like twin maybe or something iphone twin edition maybe something, maybe. something like that gemini gemini's two right it's possible iPhone, the iphone gemini I, I could get behind that yeah i think it's gonna be because also another thing i was realizing the surface duo you can actually put cases on i think whereas the fold you can't really put a case on i think that's true and also or the yeah. case would need a special, special yeah maybe inches. not i'm or not sure you use yeah. channel sponsor we're not sponsored but dbrand skins are very popular for those devices <laughs> so yeah i think i think i kind of agree with you that we'll probably see a dual screen at least first, maybe eventually once folding screen technology gets better where the screen is really, you know, more durable, more like a higher quality and really that glass premium finish we're used to. Yeah, then maybe we'll see a folding one. But I think honestly, I think the folding is more likely to come as a laptop to a tablet type thing where you have a big like 12 inch tablet, but it easily folds down to an iPad mini. Whereas I think the tool do screen, sorry, dual screen two uh, screen device like we see with Microsoft doing, that's more likely to be the way we go with the phone, uh, smartphone market. Yeah, there could be, I mean, two lines. We could have a folding iPad and a folding phone. I just think the way Apple's iOS and iPadOS, especially iPadOS is designed, is it seems to be built around multitasking. And I could easily see them implementing some of the ideas that Microsoft has where you know, there's an app icon that opens two apps each on its own screen. So you can jump into an experience where maybe you're reading a book and taking notes on that book in Microsoft OneNote, or you're on Safari doing research for a paper and have- Dragging text, copy paste. Yeah, copy paste from one to the other. Now, I think a keyboard makes life infinitely more productive and usable. So I think it's yet to see- how what these about, phones isn't there the lenovo keyboard that or the sorry laptop that has you know the touch screen keyboard that you can use right i think it's lenovo or maybe it could be a different company but there's a there's a laptop out there that has actually basically it's kind of like a like the surface duo but a laptop and except for the bottom one is just mainly used as like for uh trackpad and for keyboard I think we'll have to wait and see. And I, I know Microsoft does have, I believe, a keyboard accessory that kind of folds onto the one of the displays and you can use it more as a laptop. That could also be for the 
uh, Surface Neo, the larger device that is more of a yeah. laptop. But yeah, all right, my question for you, Gabe, is if Apple comes out with a hinged dual screen device, would you buy one? Or who well, I think would buy when, one? When will we see it is the question. And I'm what, will say, the, what will the price be? Because that's like, it's going to arguably, I think it's always going to be more expensive than a smartphone because you're essentially, the way that, especially if they go with the dual screen is you're getting two smartphones, basically. I think they're going to do 1599 and I think it's coming 2023. Yeah, you might be right because I think what, what we'll probably see is we'll see this budget trend for smartphones kind of continue and the prices for smartphones in general kind of trend down to more the 800, like 700, the normal levers, what yeah, they the, used to be. Basically, yeah, because they were up till now, they're basically throwing in all tons, all like sorts of tech in there. And then I think that tech will kind of migrate over, and the more premium devices will be the folding dual screen devices, uh, which will command the higher price tag. But rightfully so, because you would essentially be getting kind of two devices in one. So yeah, I think it'll be definitely, yeah, probably 1600, probably could see that, probably more for the first gen, especially. Uh, and I would think we'll see this. I would like to see 2022 would be great because it's like two, two, there's three twos in there would be kind of a cool thing. But, you know, I, I, I don't know if you look in the past about how recently Apple or how quickly Apple came around to releasing products after other companies did. Like, I honestly think we could be looking 2023, 2024 before Apple actually releases a folding device because they do really take their time. But, you know, they have been getting a little quicker with some stuff that they implement. So maybe. The earliest I think would be 2022 or I guess fall, late fall 2021, we see a teaser and then it comes out the next 2022. Yeah, I think I would put the earliest at the 2021, excuse me, the 2022 WWDC event. That would be the earliest. Okay. Wow. Uh, but really, I think because Apple just announced their new And yeah, there's, there's, not many, there's not many new rumors for this either. So that's why it's... You know, it's usually we see rumors if it's out. a year out. Yeah. I mean, they could have scrapped the whole project for all we know. I mean, I think with Apple's new ARM processors, their own Apple Silicon, and with macOS Big Sur, where all of a sudden all iOS apps are going to be able to run natively on Macs, I feel like that's going to be a transformative time. And, you know, maybe the better experience is just a portable laptop with a keyboard and one of Apple's gorgeous, huge trackpads. Or what and, about you know, what about a, a Mac that folds up and then can run like an iPad, right? Like a yeah, Mac I mean maybe that's more touch, plausible. A touch a touch screen twelve inch Mac that folds down to be like an iPad Mini. Yeah. And boom, there you go. You. I, I would actually love that. I would really, I would really love that. Like yeah. if my eleven inch iPad had a keyboard attached to it and was like a MacBook Air, and then the keyboard could fold underneath. I would just that'd be heaven. Well, it couldn't that fold underneath. Heaven. It would detach and then you fold it in half, kind of. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's the move. That yeah. that, in my opinion, is a better move. What do you I think? think oh, last thing, do you? What are the chances that we don't even ever see a folding device from Apple? Well, let's let's put it. Let's try and make some odds. Uh, is it fifty fifty or is it below fifty fifty? That or that we do. I think it's probably. I would say seventy five or no, probably eighty percent chance that we see a device. I think it depends how you define folding device, and we kind of touched on this in the beginning. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to put it at a 15% chance Apple releases a device like the Galaxy Z Fold that is a display that actually folds. I think uh, the durability compromises. I think it's not going to live up to Apple standards. And I don't think Apple users, well, I, I don't unless, think Apple unless thinks. Gorilla Glass comes out with that new. Yeah, uh, and I feel like Samsung probably has all the patents and it's going to be more technically challenging to engineer that. I would put maybe 70% chance, depending on how the Microsoft Duo pans out, 70% chance we see a phone that can fold. And I'm going to put 80 to 90% chance we see an Apple iPad that yeah. has, maybe it's not dual screen, but I think just a touch screen Mac or a, a, a an iPad that has a like some a sort nice of, some sort of fold, keyboard. some sort of folding capacity to yeah something like that um I think that's much more and maybe those are two different devices like maybe an iPad that has a keyboard that can fold around like one of those Lenovo yoga books maybe that's one device and maybe a touchscreen Mac is another device but I think those two items 90% chance that's yep. that's my take 
Are you, I, do you, are you in agreement? I would, I would you... agree with that. Yeah, that probably seems like the most likely uh, version of a folding device we'll see, at least for the time being, from Apple. But yeah, I guess we have a lot of waiting to do uh, on this one. You know, Hurry usually, up and wait. Usually we're talking about like, all right, six months, maybe a year. But this is like, yeah, several years possibly down the road. Uh, it's exciting to see what Apple will do. Uh, hate to be Apple fanboys and be like, Apple will do it right when they do it. But I'd say the chance of that happening is very likely. However, Samsung does have first mover advantage in this space, so maybe they, they're able to perfect it by getting user feedback really and beta testing it through thousands of people using it uh, and then, you know, refine the product more than Apple would be by just, you know, looking at other companies and doing their own secret testing in labs. Yeah, that's a great point. I think those are all the thoughts I have. Gabe, any other uh, last there, remarks? My, my head is completely empty of thoughts at this point. It's just like you shake it and there's no sound? Just echoes you know all right well thank you all so much for listening to this exciting episode of the pinch to zoom podcast if you enjoyed it please leave us a rating on apple Podcasts. we greatly appreciate it uh, really helps support the show you can follow us at pinch to zoom pod on twitter at pinch to zoom podcast on instagram for the latest updates there that's gonna be it for this episode i'm stetson i'm gabe fold two and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode and then it goes and then i go welcome to quick news the segment oh that's a dog barking Jeez, this is freya this is not the segment where dogs bark this is the segment where we talk about quick news gabe i think we forgot to introduce freya in the introduction yeah have to go back me to introduce myself my name is freya rough to the bark